Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Jess Ostroff. Jess is a writer, speaker, and proud director of Calm. Her company, Don't Panic Management, is the first virtual assistant agency that embodies a people-first approach to virtual assistant success. Since 2011, she's been making the best possible matches between chaotic, overworking entrepreneurs and focused, calm virtual assistants. Offering services that span from admin assistance to marketing support She finds deep joy in making a difference through service. It's her goal to provide new and painless options for people to get work done as the future of virtual work becomes a reality. When she's not speaking, writing, or researching productivity hacks, you can find her trying new recipes, popping champagne, searching for the next great music festival to attend, or playing with her labradoodle hummus. I'm so excited to chat with Jess today all about how to hire and train a VA, so let's dive right into the episode. Hi Jess, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here and cannot wait to chat more about hiring and training a VA with you. So before we dive into this episode, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your business in general and just how you got started doing it all. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and I love talking about this. So (laughs) I'm excited to dive in. Basically, I started uh, Don't Panic Management because I was looking to do something that was a little different than, you know, going into corporate America and working in the marketing department or in the sales department. I have a background in marketing. Um, I enjoy digital marketing, but I knew that it wasn't all that I loved and enjoyed. It was also important to me to have some uh, location independence, freedom, you know, all those things that a lot of people want today. This was back in 2008, 2009, and I just knew that there had to be something else out there for me that wasn't so tied to, you know, traditional corporate America. So I was working in restaurants, I was doing like volunteer programs, I was trying anything really. And what I learned was a lot about what I didn't want to do, not as much what I did want to do. But but soon I decided to just use my administrative skills and my attention to detail and all the things that I, I knew I was good at, but didn't really know how to utilize in the workforce. And I started doing assistant work. And the, the assistant work that I was able to do was all online. And that's why, you know, I didn't know what a virtual assistant was at the time, but I learned very quickly that it's basically, you know, doing any sort of assistant work virtually. And my first client was somebody who I had interned for in college and who literally just tweeted, Hey, I'm looking for a virtual assistant. And luckily I was still connected to him on Twitter and via email. And so I sent him a note and I said, Hey, remember me? And I, I convinced him to hire me. And and that was sort of the beginning of this career because he, I, I, I worked for him 
for about 10 hours a week. And he had some other entrepreneurial friends and contacts that were looking into the same kind of growth that he was. You know, he didn't want to start another agency. He didn't want to be, you know, in an office building with his assistant right next to us. He also really enjoyed the freedom and flexibility of running his own business. And around that time, you know, now it's 2009, 2010, a lot of people had been laid off um, or, you know, let go of because of the, the economic crisis in 2008. And so we're now just starting to pick up the growth of their business and they really needed help. So it was sort of a right place, right time thing for me. And I, I was able to seize the opportunity to become this virtual assistant that helped all kinds of different types of entrepreneurs. And as soon as I had enough work to pay my bills and, um, you know, pay for taxes and all that fun stuff that comes with being a freelancer, I decided that I, I felt like this was real. I felt like this was something that I could build into a bigger business. And so that's when I decided to actually form, you know, an official LLC and start hiring assistants of my own. And that was in 2011 and the rest is history. You know, we've been doubling in size year over year. We've been able to help clients of all different backgrounds, all different industries, you know, from, from solopreneurs to giant corporations and everything in between. And so that's, that's sort of the, the short version of the story. That's awesome. I mean, I, I know how it is to kind of go through jobs that you don't really like and then, you know, kind of figure out, okay, well, this is what I definitely don't want out of a job, but what do I want, you know? So Mm -hmm. I've been there too. And it's definitely cool that you're able to craft your own experience, basically. Like, all right, this is what I want to do. Let's go for it. Versus, you know, just kind of staying in those jobs that you weren't enjoying. So. Yeah. And ultimately, like, I, I, I really liked helping people. I mean, that's why I did the AmeriCorps program. That's why I was a waitress. You know, I liked doing things that were going that was going to make people's lives better. Mm-hmm. And I've now with virtual assisting, I, I know it's not always the biggest projects that our assistants work on and it's not rocket science or brain surgery, but, but we are making a difference in our clients' lives. You know, we're taking things off their plate and, and making their businesses grow. And that's really, you know, ultimately what I, I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, even those little small tasks, like they really, really help. Cause I have a VA that works with me and they're sort of like your team, their whole team. So like anything I want, they'll handle from like podcast, um, you know, writing show notes mm-hmm. and things like that all the way to posting my social media or writing email mm-hmm. newsletters and things like that. So it's very diverse. Um, but it's been such a big help. I, it was really hard to handle over at first because I was very like, because mm-hmm. like no one can do this like me. But once right. I did, I started shaving hours off my week. Mm-hmm. You know, so now mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about those little tasks that getting done because, you know, someone else can handle them. I, at this point, I only do things that I can do. So host Perfect. this podcast, you know, make my products. Things that only require me and my expertise is what I handle or, you know, do my client services. I was, I was putting my clients on the back burner sometimes. So I was like, oh, I need to do this for myself, you know, or vice right. versa. I was putting my business right. on the back burner because I needed to do client work. So mm-hmm. now I have time to focus on the only things that I can personally do. And then mm-hmm. I just outsource the rest. So it's been so, so helpful. That's the dream. And that's awesome that you're, you're able to do that because a lot of people can't or can't figure out how to do it for a lot of the reasons that you said. 
So congratulations. Thanks. I only hope to continue giving more work to them at this point. It's like, okay, I feel comfortable with what I have and what I've given you, but you know, eventually I'm sure there will be more things that need to be outsourced. I just don't even know what they are yet. (laughs) Definitely. That's great. So you mentioned hiring your team and all that stuff. So I kind of want to know, you know, what's the best way to go about hiring a virtual assistant? You know, you hired VAs on your team, but just as a solopreneur, if you're looking to hire a virtual assistant, where should we look? You know, should we look in Facebook groups? Should we post an ad? Like what, what's the best way to find the right VA for you? Yeah. Well, I think you have to start back a little further than, um, you know, just going out there and looking because there are so many options these days. I mean, there are agencies like mine, but there are also, you know, marketplaces like Upwork and Fiverr and those kinds of things where you can just get, you know, anybody for any price. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to figure out what your priorities are with finding a virtual assistant. So I always say, you know, you probably heard this phrase, like you can have you can pick two, fast, cheap, or good. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't, you, the, the chances that you're going to find someone who's fast, cheap, and good are, are pretty slim. Yeah. So you have to figure out the two that are most important to you. And, and once you figure that, so maybe, you know, maybe the work isn't that sensitive and maybe it's just like a whole bunch of data entry. And, and if there's a mistake here and there, it's no big deal. You just want it done fast and you want it to be cheap great. Mm -hmm. Maybe you look on Fiverr or you look on Upwork or some, some place where it's just, you know, you can put the job out and have it done. If you are wanting someone to handle, you know, let's say your client interactions and maybe higher touch projects, you know, things that, that really do matter. Maybe you want it to be fast and you want it to be good, but in that case, you're not necessarily going to find it cheap. So Thinking about what things are most important to you first is going to help guide you in your decision-making process. And then, of course, thinking about your budget. I mean, I like to help people figure out what is a stretch goal in terms of your budget. So maybe you have, you know, this is just like a random number. Let's say you make $5,000 a month and you need, you know, 4000 of it to, to run your business and have a safe, you know, cushion in your bank account. So maybe that means that you have $1,000 left over and that's sort of your comfortable spending amount. Mm-hmm. But maybe you want to grow. Maybe you want your business to be making $10,000 a month. So instead of just using that 1000 that would be your sort of safe, uh, budget, maybe you push it to 1500 and maybe you, you think of that $500 as an investment into the next, you know, $5,000 per month of your business. So think about what's comfortable for you in terms of budget, but then also think about what your stretch goal for your budget might be. Because ideally, you know, like you were just saying, ideally you want to find somebody that you love or find a team that you love and eventually be able to give them more work, which will cost more money. So, you know, think about not just today and tomorrow, but the next three months, six months, 12 months, and what you think you might want to grow into. Um, and then once you have, you know, your, your values and your budget, then you can start looking in places. Um, if you think that, you know, it's a thousand dollars a month or, you know, $250 a week and you've got 25 hours that you need to, to have delegated, well, that's only $10 an hour. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, where are you going to find somebody for $10 an hour? Probably not at an agency, <laughs> but maybe like your neighbor down the street or an intern or maybe on Fiverr, you know, or, or, or one of those other freelance marketplaces. A lot of times you can set your budget and you can set your per hour fee that you're willing to pay mm-hmm. and then go through and see, you know, who's out there. If you have a, a little bit of a higher budget, I would say 15 to like $50 an hour, then you can start looking in, you know, LinkedIn is a really great place. I always recommend for, for virtual assistants, don't just, don't just search virtual assistant, search mm-hmm. the type of virtual assistant you want. So like podcasting virtual assistant or writing virtual assistant or administrative virtual assistant, you know, think about the, the tasks and the skills that you want this person to have. And then, you know, make sure you almost have a, a job description, either physically fleshed out or at least in your mind so that you can go to your network, go to your LinkedIn, go to Google and actually be able to be specific about what it is you're looking for. And then with those search terms with your network, I mean, I would always go to my network first for anything that I want to hire, whether it's a designer or a developer or a podcast or anything, always ask your network first because you never know. I mean, I was just talking to somebody the other day who was like, I have a VA, but I can't like, I can't have her on for 40 hours a week, but she needs more work. (laughs) Can you, you know, find some other people that might need her because I want to keep her. And Mm -hmm. so people like to share their assistance because just because they can't, you know, fill their plate with hours, that doesn't mean that they can't have, you know, maybe that assistant only needs one more client in order to continue being a freelance virtual assistant. But maybe if she doesn't get that client, then Mm -hmm. she has to go back to the real world, you know, and get a corporate job. So you know, asking friends that you know maybe have worked with virtual assistants before or putting it out to your Facebook or to your LinkedIn um, and then going into those marketplaces and then going into those groups and things like that. Uh, those are really great places to start. Um, once you, of course, find some people, there's a whole another process <laughs> of actually, you know, interviewing and vetting them. But, but being really clear with yourself and what kind of person you want, how much you want to pay them is really valuable when you first start the search process. Yeah, no, those are some great places to look. I never really considered LinkedIn because I always think of that being more corporate based because it typically Mm -hmm. is, but that's, that's a good way. Um, For me, I kind of like found, I found pretty much all the people I worked with via Facebook groups, which is, you know, mm. it's worked for me. So I'll just put out some feelers and then people drop their websites and then I'll just contact the people who are, you know, I feel like would be a good fit. And then we go that's from there. Directly. Yeah, that's um, great. But a lot of the time you get unsolicited DMs from that. Yeah. <laughs> I really like, I mean, I just say like, no DMs, please. There will be a few that slip through the cracks and still do it. Yeah. But usually people are pretty mindful. So I usually just use that. So I'm like not having be inundated with people like begging for work, but at the same time, everyone's websites in one place. So that's kind of how I do it. But yeah, those are some good ways. And yeah, definitely keeping like your budget in mind and just kind of figuring out how that person can grow with you is a really good tip because you don't want to have to hire someone new few months down the line and have to retrain them. That's kind of a pain in the butt. So, exactly. you know, and, yeah. And we get people coming to me all the time that are like, Oh, I w- I've been burned in the past. You know, they, I, I paid them and then they ran away, which I think is insane. Um, that someone yep. would just like take the money and not do the work, but it happens. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I've heard of, 
of so many of those stories where it's, it didn't work out for whatever reason. And I talked to them about, you know, what they did to, to vet them and to find them. And really it was a lot of times it's kind of on them, you know, when it doesn't work out because they didn't do enough to make sure that it was going to be a good fit from the beginning. For sure. Yeah. So I've actually had the opposite experience. I haven't had people like take money and run from me, but I've had like clients like just not pay. So that's oh, another no. story for itself. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's something I learned very in the beginning of my business. Like eh, I should probably take money up front. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, it can happen either way, which is really, really unfortunate. Cause you know, you don't want to like I, you don't want to not get paid for your services or pay someone for services and not receive them. It's just a pain. Right. So, right. All right. So what type of systems should we have in place in our business prior to starting the hiring process? I know there's some things that we need to get down before we decide to delegate. So, you know, what type of things do you think we need to have prior to being like, okay, I'm ready to hire someone and start looking. Mm-hmm. At the very least, you need to have an understanding of what it is you want to do yourself and also what it is you think you can delegate. So like you were saying earlier, you're, it sounds like you're at the ideal point in your career where you're only doing things that you are uniquely qualified to do. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I talk to a lot of people and I know this seems straightforward, (laughs) but I talk to so many people who are like, I'm doing everything and I, I know, I know I need help, but I, I just don't know what I need help with. And it's like, I can't help you <laughs> until we can, you can help yourself. And I mean, I do operations consulting at this point and, and help people actually go through their day and their week and figure out, okay, you, did you know that you're spending 30 minutes on this task and then you're spending 30 minutes on that task and this is mm-hmm. like half your day, you know, yeah. that you're spending on really silly things that somebody else can do and they go, oh, you know, and it's like, this is why I'm so busy. Yes, because <laughs> you either are not uniquely qualified to do or just like aren't that good at doing and that somebody else could really do much faster and more efficient. So there take I think it takes some a little bit of sort of self awareness and self discovery um, in the in the initial process. And I I have an exercise for this. I just call it the life audit because a lot of us entrepreneurs, our work is not just our work. It's also our life. And I think that, you know, it's not just work stuff that you can delegate to be happier. It's things like, I always joke about my, um, I have a couple of those Amazon dash buttons <laughs> where like I, you know, whenever I'm running low on something, I press a button and then two days later I get toilet paper at my front <laughs> door, you know, and it's like, that's a very small thing, but it saves me the five minutes of like logging into Amazon, going to find the toilet paper that I like, you know, clicking add car, you know, all that stuff. It's, it, it doesn't take long, but doing the dash button means it takes seconds, you know, instead of minutes and every minute and every second adds up. Mm -hmm. So I like to help people go through this life audit exercise where it's basically tracking your time. It's tracking everything you do from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed. That can include picking up your kids. It can include walking your dog. It can include exercising. Um, And of course, all the things that you do for your job. But the goal is to figure out, okay, once you have everything actually written down, first of all, it can be a a little bit of a slap in the face (laughs) when you realize like how many things you're doing that you maybe shouldn't be doing or that you don't enjoy doing. But the goal is to make a list from that, you know, 
list of, of four columns. The first column is things that you love. Of course, we want you to be doing things that you love. And so that's the first list that you can easily extract ta tasks from and put them on that list. The second column is things that you hate. And that should also be pretty easy <laughs> to extract. You know, like I hate doing contracts. I hate sending invoices. So, um, I mean, at this point I have somebody else doing that for me, but when I first did this exercise, I was like, Oh man, I really need to get some help with that. <laughs> um, the third list is things that are necessary, you know, like for you, for example, um, and I'm not saying this is the case, but let's say like, you're the only one that can be the host of this podcast. You don't love it. You don't hate it. It's just necessary for your business. It's a really good marketing tool, whatever it is, you know, you might put that in that column. So mm -hmm. those are just things that like right now you're the only one that can do them, but you're kind of neutral on whether or not you like them. And then the last column is things that are unnecessary, which I also am always surprised at how many things like scrolling through Instagram or, you know, <laughs> checking Facebook for the 14th time in an hour. You know, there are a lot of things that we do in our day, maybe unconsciously or subconsciously that uh, when we actually think about them and write them down, we realize, oh man, I, I'm wasting a lot of time doing things that are not driving my bottom line or are not driving my happiness. And those are things that are unnecessary and are, are the easiest to get rid of. So, once you have those four sort of buckets, then you can really start to figure out, okay, I'm going to keep all the things that are in my love column. I definitely want to keep doing those, but everything else can either be automated or delegated. And with automation, oftentimes you, you might have to pay a fee for some kind of software program. But when you look at the hours in your day, and even if you look at the hours you know, that a virtual assistant might cost versus a monthly fee for a software program, a lot of times you're going to find that a tool or, or a piece of software can handle that automation for you for much less, one, than your time, and two, than a virtual assistant's time. So mm -hmm. I always recommend looking at things that you can automate before you even think about delegating. Yeah. And then, you know, everything that's left basically is things that you can delegate. So so that's the first thing is, is having, you know, having lists of things. Um, don't come to me and say, I don't know what I need, but I just need something, you know, try to, to put together a list, even if it's like just a wish list of all the things that you want someone to be able to take off your plate. That's, that's a really helpful starting point. And then, um, I, I, I really like it when my clients have processes like documents or even videos, you know, using something like Loom or, you know, Camtasia or other sort of screen sharing video software where they say, and I think you do this, Jenny. Like, yes, I do. Uh, yeah. And that's so awesome. I mean, I don't, I don't require it from clients, but it's so nice when I can say, okay, Jenny, how do you want me to do this? And you can say, here you go. Here's a video showing you exactly how to do it. It just takes the guesswork off from the assistant and it, and it limits errors because mm -hmm. if the assistant can just follow your process, you know, theoretically nothing's going to go wrong. Now, obviously if you have an assistant who can't follow that there might be <laughs> another issue and you might want to hire somebody else um but even you know that sort of that's why I do test projects I give them things like that I give them a video and I say do this project and it's a fake project usually and mm -hmm. I see if they can follow the instructions and I see if they can do things on time and I see if they are are good communicators and if the work product's good 
And, you know, those process videos are really great for, for test projects and actual projects. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I also do that with the people that I hire as well. I do like a little test project and sometimes it is like stuff that I just don't want to do for my business. So like yeah. if I'm hiring like a social media um, person to add to my team, then I'll be like, okay, well I'll do some of my social media. Like, yeah, videos. exactly. So um, that's kind of what I'll do. And I love that you call it a life audit. That's really cool because a lot of people like kind of do that just like on a, with a smaller scope with just a business focus. But you know, what if you don't like walking your dog or what if you don't like right. want to get your groceries? I know I don't get my groceries. I, I get them delivered to me, which is yes, really, really exactly. lazy. I know, but it's just like one of those things. But I that's what you care about and that's what's valuable to you and ultimately makes you happier and makes your business run better. Yeah. And that means that you can help other people. You know, it's a big cycle of, of happiness <laughs> where if you are happy, you know, you can help make other people happy and that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. I mean, and just like putting in a bigger scope, you know, your whole life, it, it helps too. Cause you know, there might not just be business tasks you want to outsource. Right. Right. You know, if you want someone to come walk your dog with Rover, Rover every day, then that's mm -hmm. fine too. You know, I mean, I don't do that. I walk my own dogs. I feel like that would be really, really, really lazy, but you know, <laughs> it's just one of those things you can, you know, if you say you still have a nine to five, someone yeah. you want to walk your dog in the middle of the day. It's, mm -hmm. it's really cool mm -hmm. so. I have them come walk my dog sometimes if I'm in back-to-back -back meetings. I yeah, no, that makes total <laughs> sense. But yeah, if you're just like sitting at home, like on the couch, not doing right. anything, then it's kind of crazy to have someone yeah. walk your dog. Totally. <laughs> so what do you have, what are some tips that you have for training a VA so that we kind of feel confident with them taking over the particular aspect of our business that we're looking to outsource? Yeah. Um, I mean, like we were just talking about, I think it starts with the hiring process and making sure you're hiring somebody who is curious and has a curious mind who likes to learn things because the chances that you're going to find someone who already knows exactly how to do everything you want them to do is slim, but you want to find somebody who understands that, you know, you're a growing business that maybe you have different types of, of tasks that you want them to do every day. Maybe you have a process that um, that only you follow that they've never followed before. You want to make sure that they have the chops, um, to, to learn mm -hmm. and not just that, you know, and, and make sure they're not just stuck in their ways and are, aren't going to be interested in, in doing new things. So, so that kind of starts through like the interview process and checking their references and things like that. But then, you know, all the things that we just talked about with the videos, I think is a great way to train people. You can do a video on anything. You can also, I, I, I like to have both the video and the written process mm -hmm. and the written process has, you know, screenshots and arrows and things like that, because some people are, uh, you know, oral learners and some people are, are written learners. So you want to make sure that you are inclusive of those different types of learners. Um, but not just showing them what to do, but also making sure you're giving ongoing and consistent feedback, both <laughs> positive and negative. A lot of people like to focus on, oh, I'm so busy. I can only, I only have time to give, to tell them how they're doing when they're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons why giving feedback is important, <laughs> you know, one being, you know, building morale and building trust and all of that, but also uh, being able to, to communicate with them about how you like things done is not 
it doesn't need to be seen as confrontational. You know, giving constructive criticism, criticism is only going to help both of you in the long run. So making sure that you as a client are making time, uh, not only to review their work, but also to give them feedback is a really important part of training because they're, they're not going to be able to grow and they're not going to be able to give you what you want if you are not, you know, just as present as they are in the relationship. You know, I hear this all the time too. It's like, well, I don't have time, you know, I just want my assistant to do it right, but I don't have time to like work with them. Yeah. Like, okay, well, <laughs> I can tell you right now, you're not going to have a positive experience because, you know, this is a relationship and you need to put in a lot in the beginning. You know, ideally it runs like clockwork after some time and they can read your mind and they're magicians and everything's great. <laughs> but in the beginning, you can't, you can't ever expect that. And so I, I always ask people, do you have, you know, between two and 10 hours in the next couple of weeks to devote to, to building and growing this relationship? Mm -hmm. And if not, I say, well, maybe we need to wait, you know, maybe we need to wait until you do have the time, you know, until you're not planning a vacation or you're not going to be out of the office for two weeks or, you know, whatever it is mm -hmm. um, and make sure that they are willing to invest their own time and their own brain power into setting that assistant up for success. Yeah, no. And that's something I still struggle with at times. Like I want to start implementing like a team time where mm -hmm. I can kind of like not necessarily host a like, you know, a weekly chat or anything just because I don't think we're at that point yet, but just like have like set aside office hours just for my team so that, that they can contact me about anything they need or anything like that. And like, I'm available for them and I'm not, you know, I block out that time. And even if no one does come to me, I mean, cause I can still work on projects if no one's right. coming, of course, but just kind of having that blocked off on my calendar. So if there is a need to have a conversation or, you know, kind of chat about something and give some clarification there, you know, there's that time and I'm not trying to fit it in my schedule and it's already right. blocked out for me. Yeah. I always recommend, especially with new relationships, that you just have a standing weekly call. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it can be a video meeting or, or just a phone call. But um, and even if you don't really have anything to talk about, still make time for that call because it builds that rapport. And it also, you might say, you know, I don't really have anything pressing, but you know, I was thinking about this other project or, you know, sometimes it's like that thing where you're you're in the shower and like this brilliant idea comes to you because like you're not, you know, you're not thinking about anything else that can happen with these meetings sometimes where it's like, if you know that you have it on the books and it, like you said, and it's not something you have to schedule additional time for, it allows that relationship to, to grow and to blossom. And it also sometimes fosters the environment where the assistant can feel comfortable asking you about anything, even if it, even if it maybe feels stupid to them, they know that you're there for them. They know that you're available. And, and it also gives you a chance to prepare any sort of feedback. And it doesn't feel like, Oh gosh, I have to get ready to give some negative feedback to my team member. It's like, Nope, we're, we're going to talk on Tuesday. I'll let them know this feedback then. Mm -hmm. And it just feels a little more casual. Yeah. And like right now, what the only thing I'm doing is I'm communicating with my team on Slack throughout mm -hmm. like the day, you know, I'll just like, if I have anything for them, I'll just kind of like ping them and say, Hey, you know, can you work on this today or things like that? Or, and then I'll just tell them like, Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Like I'll give them like little tips like that. Like, you know, mm -hmm. positive feedback, not necessarily like a long, long thing, but just like things I appreciate your help or things like that just to kind of keep mm -hmm. the, the morale up, but not necessarily like, you know, giving them crazy good feedback. I mean, 
Um, that's definitely something I can improve on and something I'm working on building into my schedule because I'm finally feeling like I'm getting a handle on everything after, you know, outsourcing my personal business tasks and, you know, still managing my team and doing my own work. So I'm finally feeling like I'm getting to that point where I can kind of make the time for that. And I think it's a really important thing to do just because you want your team to be happy um, and you want them to stick around. You don't want to just have like a high turnover rate because you aren't making those connections. So totally. It's definitely something I can do on. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just people, well, and you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're the salesperson, you're the client manager, you're the HR person, like you're everything. And so a lot of times that feedback and that sort of like team culture and morale and stuff does get put on the back burner because you don't attribute it directly to the bottom line, but it's so expensive to have turnover. I think they say sometimes, I mean, and I know it's not employees like in our situation, but um, with employees, it can often cost double, like double their salary by the time you, you know, recruit and hire and train a new person. It's probably not that much when you're dealing with like VAs and freelancers, but it can be really expensive. And so in some ways you can think of, uh, morale and, and culture and feedback as part of your bottom line because of that, you know, just for that reason that you don't want the turnover. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, Although it's not super expensive for me to hire new people, it just takes time. And yeah, and time is money. Yeah, exactly. So it's expensive in my time, which I'm not willing to do. So I'm definitely going to work on being more, um, you know, available to my team. I try with Slack and stuff, but just like kind of setting aside like either office hours or doing like a call. Um, My people are all kind of all over the world, um, not just in the U.S. So Mm -hmm. setting up like a call that works for everyone is a little difficult. But just like having something so that they feel like they can come to me at that time or really. So that's great. That's awesome. And another thing. So how do we know if we need to hire someone who can do it all or someone who's more niche? So say like a social media VA or a tech VA or something of that sort or someone who's like, I can handle this, this, and this, and this, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really hard to find those like unicorn type people. I am always looking for them, but they're not easy to find. (laughs) If you find that they can do one thing really well, they just can't do another thing. And and so that's okay. I think it's important to hire for the skill that you want. Um, You know, if you want someone who can do podcasting, find somebody who can do podcasting and worry about finding, you know, someone for your scheduling and flight booking afterwards. You know, you might have to hire in waves. Mm -hmm. You know, you might have to like have this person hired by June 1st and this next person hired by September 1st or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I think you're going to have more success that way because, you know, you're, you can spend time training that person if you like how they do their scheduling and how they do their writing or whatever it is you could train them on how to do podcasting but you might not get as good of a result as if you you know found someone who already knows how to do it and this kind of goes back to what I was saying before like you can have it fast you can have it good you can have it cheap Mm -hmm. if you want if you want it to be fast and cheap then you might need to spend more time training them on how to be good yeah um so just thinking about what's the most important thing to you And if it's more important that it's really good, then you definitely need to hire someone who has the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and, or you need to like put your job on hold <laughs> to train them to, you know, make it really good. Yeah. I think there are the, one of the great things about the time we live in is that there's so many resources out there. You know, if, if I'm a budding VA and I want to learn how to set up a podcast so that I can get jobs doing podcasting, I can take a course. Yeah. I can take 50 courses. <laughs> watch a YouTube video. There's a lot. Yeah. Watch YouTube videos. You can. Yeah. Um, in fact, that's, I mean, that was one of the services that like my first client had asked for and I didn't know how to do it, but he said, well, do you want to learn? And I said, <laughs> yeah. And I did, you know, and he trusted me enough at that point I had built up, but that I'd already been working with him for years, you know, and he, he said, he knew that I could do the work, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have even trusted myself <laughs> on a first hire, you know, to, to be able to do that. So, um, so I do think that if you can afford it and, and quality is important to you, then try to find a person for each type of skill. You know, sometimes the writer and the editor or the, the, you know, the admin person and the researcher are the same. Mm -hmm. They definitely do have overlapping complementary skills, most likely. But when you start to get into, you know, those more technical skills, you might not be able to find someone who can do it all. So again, thinking about your priorities, what tasks you want done first, see if you can find, I mean, if you can find the unicorn, go for it. Like, I think that that's awesome. But um, like I said, it's just, I keep looking for them. I found a couple of them and I'm never letting them go. <laughs> um, but, you know, try to, to hire for the skill because you can always, you can always um, work with them on how you like to communicate. You can work with them on um, you know, different culture things and things like that, but you can't necessarily spend all your time training somebody on, on how to do the work unless, unless you have the time, like I said, unless that's important to you and you just like, I really love this person and I want them to work with me no matter what it takes. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And if you know, you find a good team like yours or the one that I work with that helps too, because they don't just do one thing. Like they'll all right they'll have like someone doing my content for me and then they'll have someone do, um, you know, if I wanted bookkeeping, they have someone on staff to do that. They right, have someone right. for my podcast. They just have someone for pretty much everything I could ever want. And if they don't, then they kind of just say, Hey, can you do this to one of their, you know, team members? Yeah. And they'll take it on if they, and then if it's become something that a lot of people are requesting, then they, they find someone who specializes in that. So. Right. And that's the benefit of working with an agency. And that's what I was going to say next is like, you know, if you do feel like you have a lot of different types of tasks that you need help with, it might be worth going with, you know, the company that you work with or a company like mine, mm -hmm. because they do have all those people available for you. And it's all for, you know, it's all under one roof. essentially, yeah. all for yeah. price. So it's nice. Yeah, it is really nice because I just put everything in the Asana calendar and then, you know, set a due date and someone will pick it up. <laughs> so right. it's just That's like awesome. nice to know that it's going to be done when it needs to be done without having to talk to 10 different people to get things done. Exactly. Exactly. Cause who has time for that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, I already have my team members. So having my VA stuff all in one place makes it so much easier. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. So let's jump into the three questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show. So what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? Oh, I've been thinking about this one a lot. Um, 
to me, being an entrepreneur is being somebody who wants to create something that has a higher purpose, mm -hmm. whether it's helping, you know, people get clean water or, or helping people build their businesses. I don't think it necessarily has to be like you're an innovator per se, mm -hmm. but you have it in your soul and in your heart and your passion passionate about doing something that makes a difference. And even if it's just one person that you make a difference for, um, I think that having that in your heart and then having the, the motivation <laughs> to actually go out and do it, to me, that's what being an entrepreneur is about. And I mean, that's my favorite part, I think, is, too, is the part where I get to help business owners realize their goals while also providing an income for people who are mothers and fathers or actors or chefs or, you know, all of our assistants have lives outside of Don't Panic. And it's so great to see them, you know, sort of live their dreams while helping somebody and then ha have the client reach their goals at the same time. So sort of seeing how my idea brought those people together and helps all of them is what I love about it. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. Um, it's, I mean, it's similar to what other people say, but different be too, because, you know, like saying that you want to serve people and things like that really, you know, that's what it's all about. You just want to help people and make pe a difference in people's lives. So mm -hmm. that's great. Um, so what is your favorite tool that you use in your business? Are there anything that you and your team cannot live without? Oh, yes. Well, we're a virtual assistant agency, so we do use a lot of tools. I, I really love this tool called Sococo, which is sort of our virtual office platform. And I really like it because I can log in in the morning when I sort of quote unquote, get to work, you know, because we're all remote. We all keep different schedules. We're all in different time zones. We don't always know when people are working. Mm -hmm. And so when I log in and I'm sort of like sitting in my virtual office, that's, you know, kind of how you were saying like the office hours idea. Uh, it's like my door, my door isn't always open. Obviously, if I yeah. have meetings and I have big work that I have to do, I can denote that in my status or I can actually click the button that says closed door. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Again, yeah, but it's really cool. I think it's helped um, not only keep projects flowing efficiently, but I think it's also helped with our team rapport and culture mm -hmm. because it allows us to just kind of have those like offhand water cooler conversations. Like someone might send me a little message that's like, hey, Jess, I saw that you were in Florida. You know, how did that speech go? Or, um, you know, how was your long weekend? Or whatever it is, you can just sort of pop in and, and say hi to people. You can also literally go in someone else's office and do like a screen share meeting or um, share files that way. And wow. it also integrates with Slack. So oh, cool. like you were saying, using Slack, you can have that integration. And I think, you know, we use Asana, we use tons of great tools, but I think Sococo is one of my favorites because of that, that sort of next level, you know, culture and connection and project management element. 
Yeah, I know. That sounds great. I'll have to look into it. I mean, I don't think I'm at that level yet, but you know, once I do continue yeah. to expand, I definitely think that sounds like a good path. And I'll leave that in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out because it's new to me. So I imagine it's not something that a lot of people heard. Not that I like know everything, but you know, <laughs> right. just, I, I've heard of a lot. Sort of an under the radar tool. Like some, a lot of big companies use it, but then, but they don't talk about it. So it's yeah, cool. no, that's, that's cool. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And then lastly, who is your goal? to business resource to someone who inspires you and that you feel like every time you look at their content or anything of that sort, you just feel good and you're like kind of ready to take on the world. Or at least that's how I feel when I look at my favorite people. Uh, <laughs> this is such a great question. My, my initial, when I was first like thinking about this question, my initial response was Richard Branson okay. uh, because I love everything he's, he's done. But then I was like, what about, I need to think about a woman. Mm-hmm. And, and I recently read, um, I think it's called My Year of Yes or just Year of Yes by oh, Shauna yeah. Rhimes. Oh yeah, that's a great book. Yeah. And so she's sort of like one of my business heroes as well, even though she's in television, obviously, and like writing and stuff. But um, she's she's got such a great story. She's got um, she's got a, an interesting way of looking at things. I mean, she's, she's mm-hmm. definitely gotten a lot of things that she has wanted in yeah. her life, but she's also had to work really hard for them. And she's kind yeah. of had to adjust herself personally and overcome a lot of things. And I love her story. I love her shows. <laughs> you can't I, deny that her shows are great. <laughs> I know. I know. Maybe not for everyone, but definitely, especially for women, you know, having, mm-hmm. Seeing, seeing her shows feature strong women and yeah. um, I think that's really important for the next generation too is to have those role models and um, yeah sort of I guess an uncanny um, response yeah no that's a great one that's not someone <laughs> someone that people have mentioned but I know that a lot of people think she's like a really awesome, powerful lady. And I do too. So that's, yeah. that's a cool response and one that I haven't gotten before. Um, so where can we find you leave your, like, let us know your website and your social media channels and things like that. Yeah. So don't panic management is don't panic MGMT, which is short for management.com. And you can go there if you are interested in becoming a virtual assistant or becoming a client. We have sort of two sides of the site that are open to both interests. Um, my site is jessostroff.com. If you go there, you can also learn more about my book, which is called Panic Proof. And um, in the book, there is that life audit sort of um, spelled out that whole exercise. And I also have a template that you can download. And, um, you know, if you go to the jessostroff.com site and put in your email, you'll get a free chapter about the life audit and the life audit template itself. And that's always a good place to start. You know, like I said, if you are looking to consider delegating work, um, you can find it there. And then, um, you know, pretty much every social media channel, I'm just at Jess Ostroff. I, um, am getting married soon and may change my name, but for now it'll take a while for, for that to happen if it does. So for now, Jess Ostroff everywhere on the internet. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely leave that in the show notes and don't worry about changing your last name. I have been married for a year and a half now and I still have my maiden name. Oh, you're lazy. <laughs> and my husband's like, do you even want to change your name? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. It just, it's annoying okay. process. I don't want to deal with it. I know. I know. I'm not I was like, you don't have to go through that process. You can't tell me anything because you don't have to go and change like every single document ever. 
Yeah, you should make him change his name. Alrighty, well, um, it was great talking to you. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode dash 51. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and so much more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.